shoot the podcast. Let us start the show. Let us start the podcast. It's the next episode. Let us shoot the podcast. Say what's on my heart. Hey. Let us shoot the podcast. It's time for the quiet part. We gonna say, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Hey. Welcome to the podcast. It's time for the episode. Let us start the podcast. I'll say what's on my heart. Let us start the podcast. It's time for the quiet part. Yes, Sarski. Yes, Sarski. I am your host. Adiyami Basi, it's so nice to be back here. This is episode two of what I hope is a long string of episodes. Episode two of season one. We don't have seasons on this joint. Oh yeah, we got division. Don't worry, we got we got, we got division. So yeah, I'm excited. Thank you to everybody who listened to episode one, who caught division, who gave an encouraging word to division, who sowed seed into the vision, man. Like, I'm honored, man. I'm honored. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. This thing is gonna be so good. I'm like genuinely excited. The nerves are gone. I'm just excited to get this thing going. Uh, some of the conversations I've had over the last week since the episode has been out have been so, 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 so good, so fruitful. Um, people who have said like, man, I've been putting down my own thing, the, the, the thing that God called me to, whether it was YouTube or a podcast or TikTok or whatever else, but your podcast made me want to start. And I'm like, thank God, man. Thank God. Because... For me, seeing other people do it helped me get started. And so the fact that I can be that for somebody else, man, God is good. God is good. I'm excited. Uh, Today is another solo pod. It's just me. Um, I will be answering some questions that some of my close friends had for me. Uh, I asked them to ask me questions for the podcast and so I could share some of the stuff that's on my heart. Um, shout out to Shania because majority of the questions that I will answer today are from Shania because Shania gave me some really good in-depth questions to answer and I will be answering those as well as a couple of others but I figured before I bring some guests on here and we, we have some conversations and we open up that part you guys get to see a little bit of me and I'm sure as I continue to bring people on here and they talk about different topics. I will, you'll see more and more of me um, and you'll see a lot of them. Um, but just to start it off, obviously, before I ask other people to say the quiet part out loud, I figured I should, I should do the same. So I'm excited, man. I am excited. This is going to be good. It's going to be, you guys are going to learn a lot about me. And so I hope that this pod is an encouragement to other people that your story, your testimony, no matter what it is, is valuable and somebody needs to hear it. That is my prayer. That's my heart. So let's go, man. Let's go. We're going to kick it off, man. We're going to start with them Shania questions because I'm telling y'all, shout out to Shania. Shout out to Shania for these questions, man. These are great questions. These are phenomenal. Get you some friends that can ask you some real questions. That's what you need in your life. Um, So let's go. Number one was... I would like to know your faith journey and what called you home to Love Quest. Great question. So, for those of you who don't know, my home church is Love Quest International Church. Uh, shout out to PT, Pastor Terrence, and Pastor Julia for your covering, for your discipleship, for your prayers, 
for building a space in a home church for people like me and for the people that I get to walk life with. I'm I'm so blessed to be uh, under your covering and to call myself a spiritual son and to call y'all my spiritual parents. I'm so, 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 so honored. Um, but my faith journey. So I was born in a Christian home. I was born to my mother and father. They were both Christians before I popped out the womb. Uh, and they raised me in the way I should go. We was in church from the time we was able to be in church. Uh, I was dedicated. Uh, my dad was an elder in the church. My mama was right there next to my dad. Like they was, they was foundational piece of uh, our former church. Shout out to Calvary Worship Center. Um, they helped build that thing. And so, growing up, I grew up in church. I grew up in the Word. I grew up in a Christian household. We weren't really allowed to listen to secular music. We weren't allowed to watch secular shows. We had we like that. My parents were them parents. Like. <laughs> like we couldn't watch no Harry Potter, we couldn't watch no Lord of the Rings, even SpongeBob. SpongeBob is the funniest one to me. We weren't allowed to watch SpongeBob. None of that. We couldn't do that. So, yeah, I grew up very much like Jesus, the word, the scripture was the only things being being fed to me, right? So, shows we watched was like Veggie Tales, right? I was one of them kids, right? Um I grew up in Christian schools, so I went to a Christian school in kindergarten, then we moved schools, a Christian school in grade one and two, and then grade three through eight, I was in Christian schools. So all the way through my 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 childhood and preteen years, it was just the word, it was just the scripture, it was just prayers. Um and I and I I'm so grateful because I got to see two really, really strong examples of faith. Um my dad, my dad could preach a word. Like my pops hasn't preached often, but when he preaches, he preaches the house down. So my dad, I saw him preaching, pouring into people. People would come over. He would give them, you know, some really, really wise words. So I, I saw that throughout my childhood. My mom is a prayer warrior. My mom is prophetic. Like, she said some stuff over my life. I'm hanging on to this day. And so I had some some really, 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 I'm so blessed, man. So blessed to have the parents that I do because uh, they really started me off on a firm foundation of faith. And I got to see that in the house and I saw that inside the church as well. And so it was really, really for me, that was the foundation. And so the, the word has been inside of me from then. Uh, so I don't know the day I accepted Jesus as my as my Lord and Savior. I don't I don't know that day, but I do know that I have always been surrounded by by faith. Um, so we were always in church every Sunday. Sundays were not a day I could hang out with friends. Sunday I was in church. I um, mean I was in church from early up until service was done. I probably didn't get home till five, and then it was homework after that. So I grew up in church. I grew up in faith. I grew up in that. Uh, a lot of my lifelong friends and best friends, uh, I met in the church. And so that was always a foundational piece for me growing up all the way till I was like 13. And then after about the age of 13, I went to a public high school. Um, and so I went to Terry Fox Secondary School. And that's where I started to get exposed to more things outside of the church. I was very much in a context where I thought everything was Christian, everything was around Christ, and I thought everybody knew who Jesus was. And high school was the first time I was ever exposed to people who didn't know Jesus. And in that, because there were people who didn't know Jesus, and I was surrounded with more people who didn't know Jesus than did, 
um, this is where I started to expose myself to, to other stuff. And so, you know, I made friends with people and I was always a friendly guy. I was always outgoing. So making friends was never hard. I was just around. Um, I was an athlete. So I, I, I ran track. I played high school basketball for a little bit. The football team wanted me on the team and stuff like that. But I, I just I ran track. Track was my main thing. And I loved track and I did track. And that was really my focus. Um, but through high school, still the same thing. I was I was going to church all the time. Um, at one point, uh, I think what started to tilt my faith a little bit or make my faith really shaky was my mom left the church that we grew up in. Um, and that kind of put a strain on our family because my dad was still going to our, our home church at Calvary Worship Center. My mom started to go to a different one. So that kind of put a, a little bit of a strain on us. I actually remember that time. It was really hard, like, waking up and our whole family wasn't going to one place. Now, my community was was in Calvary, so I wasn't not going to be there. Uh, but obviously, my family was a little bit divided. So my little brother and sister started going to a different church. Um, and me and my older brother and my dad would go to, to Calvary on Sundays. And that lasted for a little bit. And then my dad, you know, we had a, a meeting one day and my dad was like, hey, like as a family, we just have to be at the same church. We got to be rooted in the same place. Uh, we can't be divided on Sundays. And so we're all going to go to my mom's church. And so we started going to my mom's church and I did not I did not enjoy myself. I was used to, you know, African loud, boisterous praise. Like we're praying all the way through the night. Tongues are being spoken. Demons are being casted out. Like it was, very, I'm very much used to that environment. I'm not a, like Pentecostal environment. That's what I was used to. But um, we moved to a church and it was very much not that. It was very mellow, acoustic. The word was kind of a little more soft-spoken and it. I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. Um, and so... I asked for permission to, you know, keep going to my church on Friday nights and my, my parents were okay with that. And then that just led to me going on Sundays as well. So I kind of stuck around at Calvary for probably longer than we were called to because I just didn't want to let go of my community and I didn't want to let go of what I was used to. Um, and so that was that. So as that time period was happening, obviously I opened myself up. At, at school a little bit more. I was hanging out with more people and whatever else. But people at school actually knew me as a, as a good Christian kid. You know, all the way up until I was probably like 16, I didn't cuss, I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't do none of that. Um, people actually knew me for my faith and that was really, really cool. So like, but the other thing people knew me for was my music. Like they knew I did music and I loved music and I had a, a, a gift for rapping. Like people would ask me to rap Drake verses the way Drake rapped it because I could do it or rap a Wayne verse the way Wayne did it because I could do it. I loved music and music was probably the thing that opened myself up to, to more conversations with people outside of the church. So I love music from an early age. I love music. Actually, let me backtrack and tell y'all a story real quick. Um, when I was 11, I used to play soccer. I, I played soccer at a for, I mean, at the highest level you could when you were 11. But we got flown out to England for a little bit. Um, and we were we were uh, on the team bus and we were about to head to a game. And I love to listen to music before my games. And my friend had two iPods and he gave me his iPod. And he's like, yo, just listen to whatever you want. I know you like to listen to music and you don't have your iPod with you right now. So I listened to it and I was trying to find artists that I, I recognize, but I couldn't find anybody. I couldn't, I couldn't find... Uh, any of the Christian artists I listened to. So I listened to, I looked for the closest thing that I could. 
And the first secular song I ever listened to was Ice Cube Go to Church. And it's the to me, that's the funniest thing because I was looking for a Christian song. I ended up finding the most profane song ever. And it banged. I'm so sorry. That's still one of my favorite songs to this day. It banged. And that's what opened me up to listening to more secular music. But listening to secular music, what that did was open up conversation with people in high school and invite me into like the cool kid circle. So music is what started that. And so as I was listening to, to more to more music and whatever else and hanging out with those people a little bit more and, and then going to church, but I wasn't really going to church for it, for the church experience. I was going to hang out with my friends. As I was doing that, you know, I started to, to let loose a little bit. As loose as I could in an African Christian household, I wasn't wilding, but you know, I, I go to church church and I start cussing a little, or not church, I go to school and I start cussing a little bit just to fit in and whatever else, um, and that eventually just led to me having uh, a potty, I used to cuss, man, I could cuss with the best of them, I'm not gonna lie to you, I, I perfected cussing, I was really good at cussing, um, but then that started to open it up uh, in grade 12, uh, is when I had my first drink. I, I started drinking in grade 12, and it was it was for a high school dance, I had a couple of couple of shots of, I think it was rum, and I went to the high school dance, and I think it was, was it that night? No, it was the next dance, but then, yeah, I started drinking a little bit in grade 12, um, not heavy, I, I don't, and then the first time I got drunk was at my prom night, um, and I went to prom, and I don't remember half of that night, I just remember I was wilding out and stuff like that, so, yeah, so, Throughout high school, that's kind of when my faith became more casual. I wasn't really praying a lot. I wasn't reading my word a lot. But I knew Jesus. Like, I, I, I had a deep, deep knowledge of the word, again, because of the foundation that my parents had laid for me. And so I grew up uh, with that foundation, and that foundation never really, really changed. But what did change was the fact that I was open to exploring more things outside of the church. And so... I started drinking a little bit, started going to parties a little bit. I, I, you know, I tried to keep it respectful and whatnot. And so I, you know, did what I, I told her the line a little bit. I told her the line. And so, like I said, I got drunk for the first time at my prom night. Um, and then after that, that became a regular thing for me. I would get drunk whenever I could. I drove a lot. So there were some days I just couldn't, but uh, I started to, to drink a little bit more, which is kind of just living the party lifestyle and whatnot. Finished grade 12. I got a scholarship to go to the University of Alberta um, on a track scholarship. I was super excited because, um, again, track was my whole life up until that point. And that's part of the reason why I didn't drink and I didn't smoke was like, man, that'll get in the way of, of me running track. And I ran track at a very high level. Um, so I got the scholarship. I went off to the University of Alberta. And this is the first time I was outside of covering. This is the first time I was outside of my parents' house. This is the first time I was outside of my church context, and I wilded it out. I got there, and you cannot tell me different from anybody else. You cannot tell I love Jesus other than the fact that I said I'm a good Christian boy as a joke. And so I went in there, uh, and I started partying from, from day one. I was at every party I could. I was as drunk as anybody else. I wouldn't smoke, though. I kept telling people, no, 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 I don't smoke because I love Jesus while I'm drunk with Henny in my system. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I was outside. I was outside. My my 
school was not the priority. Track was not the priority. It was really community. It was really the people. The people were my were my focus. And how was I going to hang out with the people? By drinking. I was going to drink a lot. I And I did some really crazy stuff. Like, you know, I'd be outside. There was one day, like, I was on the train and I woke up in the mall elevator. Don't know how I got there, but I was drunk. I was drunk a lot. And so the drinking, the partying, and all that stuff was really what kind of took over my life for for a long time. And so my whole first year was just a lot of parties and school was kind of secondary. And that kind of led me to having grades bad enough that they kicked me out of the school. I was I flunked out. Um, and that kind of put a strain on me that put a strain on me and my parents relationship because they had saved up money for school and they had deposited this money and I just wasted it so that put a little strain so that summer I worked really really hard um, because I wanted to go back and try to redeem myself Um, so I worked and I got into this program it's called the second trans program it's for people who uh, their first year didn't do well in second year. They take a lighter course load and kind of have some guidance and stuff. But really, the deep down motivation was just to be around my friends. I wanted to be around my friends and I wanted to be outside free. I didn't want to be in my parents' house at that point. I wanted to be outside. And so I went out and I went out uh, partying again throughout the summer, but I worked really hard. I got into the program and my parents were like, okay, cool, you have one semester. You got to prove to us this one semester that you are um, serious about this and you are going to go take school seriously. And so I went for the semester, and as soon as I got there, the first two weeks I studied really hard, and then everything after that was the same as usual. I partied, um, I went to practice, and I didn't give myself time enough for school. So it was more the same. And when I went home for Christmas, I showed my parents the grades, and they were the same as they were in the first semester. They said, yeah, we're yanking the plug. And I came home, so I didn't get to finish my second year of uni. I came home, and I was depressed. I was I was genuinely depressed um, because I was one of those kids growing up that if I was in a sticky situation, I could trust on my ability to get me out. I could trust on my ability to get me out. I like in high school there was a day where um my teacher called my mom and said he's behind on about 2 months worth of assignments. There are 2 months worth of assignments he hasn't turned in and he's not failing, but he's on the brink of failing cuz his other assignments were really good, but he's on the brink of failing. So my mom, being the African mom that she is, God bless this woman. God bless this woman. She she drove to the school she said, you're not leaving this classroom until you're done every assignment. And I finished two months worth of assignments in about four hours. And I did them all really well. You weren't allowed to give late marks. So I got basically A's and B's on everything. Just because I, my natural ability and my natural intelligence could get me out of holes. This was the first time where that didn't work. I couldn't just pull myself out of a bad situation and do whatever I wanted afterwards. Like... I felt the consequences of my actions for the first time. And I was depressed because it made me question who I was. Uh, My identity was in track. My identity was in my natural intelligence. My identity was in my charm. And none of that worked. So it had me questioning who I am. I was at home. All the signs of depression. I was in my room. I kept my room dark. I wasn't showering. I'd only come out of my room to eat. Like I was depressed. And that whole year of 2016, I partied harder than I'd ever partied before. 
and I was drunk every chance I could. I wasn't an alcoholic, but I did get drunk every Friday and Saturday and sometimes on Sundays. So I was outside and my faith was basically non-existent other than the foundational words that I knew. Like I, this whole time I'm speaking, like I still believed in Jesus. I still knew who Jesus was, but I knew of Jesus and I didn't have a personal relationship with him. I just knew he existed and I knew he, I believed in him and I was a Christian because of it. And so 2016, I'd go to church and I'd be there on Friday nights, but that's because my friends were there. I go there on Friday nights to make sure we all link up so we can go to the club together. Sundays were a formality. We'd go on Sundays because we felt bad and we knew we had to. But all of 2016, really, I was I was living for the club. Like I wanted to be outside. That was when first of all. If anybody remembers 2016, this is when Drake dropped one dance. This is when Rihanna had workout. Controller was out. This was the year of dance hall. So I was outside catching bubbles on somebody's daughter. Like I was, I was really outside, and and I that was my coping mechanism for the fact that I really was depressed and I really was going through it, and I really didn't know who I was or what I wanted to do in life because the path I thought I was gonna go on, I I wasn't strong enough to do it. Um, I had dreams of of finishing my little criminology degree, and then going to law school and becoming a lawyer and. I flunked, and so that dream felt dead for a little bit, and I felt like I didn't know who I was. I stopped running track. I couldn't face my coach because my coach, shout out to Tara. I love you, Tara. Tara is one of those people who will push you to excellence because she sees something in you. So shout out to Tara. Thank you so much for everything you did. But I couldn't face her. I was running from her. I was not about to go and tell Tara, yeah, I'm back here full time because I failed out of school. I wasn't going to face her. So I quit track because I couldn't face Tara. And I threw away that track dream as well. Um, and it was a really, that was a rough time. That was a rough time. Um, then in 2017, uh, you know, I started to get my life together a little bit. I had a full-time job at that point. Um, and I was making like decent money, I guess. Like for a 20-year-old kid, I was making decent money. Um, and my mom came to me in March and said, Hey, uh, I've been looking for a job and I've been looking for a job in Ontario. How would you feel about moving to Toronto? And I said, hell yeah, I don't want to be here no more. I was so sick of Vancouver. I was so sick of it. And I was sick of seeing the same people and being reminded over and over again that I was a failure. So I wanted any chance to get out. So my mom would look for a job in, in Ontario. She got a job out there. And I started looking at schools out there. And I got into school out there as well. And I was determined to do things differently. Uh, so because I got accepted to school and my mom got a job out there, my dad had left the job that he was at. And we just decided as a family we're all going to move. Uh, my older brother was the one that stayed. Um, but me, my little brother and my little sister, we all up and moved to Ontario. And that's when, uh, moving out there, I was like, all right, like I'm putting myself on timeout, like no partying, no, none of that. I'm just going to focus on me. And I did. And I, and I, I really did focus on me and my health and, and my wellness and stuff. I started going to school. My first semester of school actually went pretty decent, and then my second semester of school, it was back to the same because I, I started I started being unfocused and I had so much trauma from the first time of school. I, I hadn't processed it 
that I didn't really know how to be in a classroom without feeling like an imposter or feeling like a failure, um, even though I could give great answers and what I felt like an imposter every time I stepped foot into school. And so um, at this point, my faith was like non-existent. We were going to a church uh, down the road and I'd fall asleep in that church all the time. Nobody in that church looked like me. Nobody in that church uh, I could relate to. The preacher didn't say anything that I didn't already know. Um, but there was one, the one thing that kept me going was there was one guy who was the worship leader and he was anointed. Every time he sang, I kept saying, there's something about this guy. His anointing was crazy. And I would go back specifically for that worship. Thinking, this is crazy because I'm thinking about it now. This is all leads back to how I ended up at Love Quest. But I, yeah, I, I realized that I could recognize the anointing of somebody's worship very quickly. That's what that was. I was always drawn to what he was singing because he was singing from anointing. And he didn't have a lot. He had his guitar and his vocals, and he just sang. And he was anointed. And I and I had such an affinity for music as a as an artist that that I was drawn to that. But I did not like the rest of the church. I did not like any of it. And so I only went there for the worship. And as soon as worship was done, I'd fall asleep in church every single time. Um, out there, I got a job uh, with Apple, and I worked for Apple for years. I ended up working for them for like five years and, and that, but I'll, I'll tell you more about that in a second. But out in Ontario, uh, yeah, casually going to church, not really going, but um, in Ontario, I got into my first relationship, um, and that was really cool. And one of the things that I always said was non-negotiable about uh relationship was that the girl had to be Christian because I want my kids to be raised Christian. Um, but you were, I was, I was looking for a, for a Christian the same way I was a Christian. Like you knew Jesus and you knew Jesus existed. And so you were a Christian because of that. Um, but everything else is kind of optional. So So when we moved to Ontario, there we go. When we moved to Ontario, I got this job. I started school. School went well, and then it was more of the same. After it was more of the same, I moved to a different school. I had transferred. I had tried to transfer my grades, um, and I got maybe one credit or something like that. And then after that, uh, I wasn't focused, and I flunked out of school. Now, I didn't want to tell my parents that I flunked out of school. So my whole secret in Ontario was that I was I was telling my parents I was in school the whole time I was lying. So I wasn't in school, but I'd get up on Tuesdays and Thursdays and I'd drive down to where the school area was. I chilled in the car for a couple of hours and then I'd come back home. Like I was committed to this lie. I was so committed to this lie. And so uh, that was beginning of 2018. End of 2018, I got into a relationship. Uh, towards the end of that relationship, uh, I, I had this unction, this feeling like I'm not supposed to be here, right? So towards the end of 2019, I started feeling like, man, I have this pull back to Vancouver. It was this pull, and I could not shake it. So I expressed that uh, to my girlfriend at the time, and she was not happy. She did not want me to go. She did not want me to leave. Our relationship wasn't in the best place already, so me bringing that up made it feel like I was running, but it literally wasn't that. I just felt this unbelievable pull towards going back to Vancouver and I couldn't explain why. Um, and then obviously the pandemic hit and the pandemic hit meant everybody was trapped 
inside of their houses. And when we were trapped inside of our houses, I had time to think. And that thinking, I realized there was a lot of undue trauma that I haven't dealt with. And I just sat in my basement and thought to myself. And I just kept thinking and thinking and thinking. But one of the things I was pondering was that relationship. And so it became very clear to me that I didn't want to be in this relationship anymore. And so I broke up with this girl. And that took like a weight off my shoulders for a little bit. But that also exposed a lot of things in me that I didn't want to face yet. Uh, so I bought a lot of wine. And I was drinking all the way through the pandemic, all the way while we were in quarantine and stuff like that. I probably drank enough wine to keep Jacob's Creek stock up. I drank so much wine. Um, and I'd be in the crib just chilling, drunk. I used to do some like IG lives with, with Providence and stuff like that. But the time that this was happening, at the same time, I started watching sermons and stuff. Because one thing that I loved about the fact that we were in quarantine was the fact I didn't have to go back to that church. But I knew I still wanted to be connected to Jesus. And so I started watching sermons on live. This is the time where people were streaming and, and doing all that. So I watched a lot of Transformation Church. So shout out to Pastor Mike Todd because... You actually kept me through the quarantine while we were doing that. And so uh, through the quarantine, uh, I made a lot of friendships online. I was doing some some stuff on Twitter and some stuff on IG Live and stuff like that, entertaining the people. I wanted to give them entertainment through, through the pandemic. So shout out to y'all that participated in the Twitter terrorism, who hopped on the IG Lives and all that. There's probably clips of me floating around, of me being a drunk buffoon, doing all that. And my tweets are still up. I didn't delete none. So... Y'all can go see those if you want to. Um, but yeah, it was really, really just a time where I was just trying to run away from what I was doing. So I would just get drunk and entertain my friends. And that's really what it became. But also like in my in my private time, in my study time, I was I was watching a lot of sermons. It was a lot of transformation church, to be honest. Um, so I, I'd be connected to transformation in that way. And that really held me through the pandemic. That, that kept my faith going. And like I said, I always had this foundation of faith and that never left. I always knew Jesus. I just didn't know him for myself. And so uh, through the quarantine, I started talking to uh, somebody and we got connected. And, and she was she was also somebody uh, who believed in Jesus and her faith where not where it is now. But um, she had a more firm foundation of faith than my, my first girl. And so I felt like... I need to step up my game if I wanted to be with this person. And so um, I would do the things that I that I thought were the the Christian guy thing to do. So I'd be like, hey, we should pray together over over FaceTime. Um, and we should, you know, we should we should do like joint devotions and whatever else. So I, I would say those things, but my heart wasn't really to get closer with Jesus and put Jesus at the center. It was so that I could impress this girl. But she lived in Vancouver, which was another thing that I was like, dang. This is another reason why I should go. I had this pull. And I was and I part of the reason why I broke up with my first girlfriend was because I had this pull to go back to Vancouver. And once that was released, I felt freedom to go. Um, and so when I started talking to this girl, um, we, you know, we we talked all the way through quarantine. She saw all my drunk mess and whatever else. And, but we we tried to incorporate Jesus into our relationship. That's what we tried. We we incorporated it to do. And so uh, when I moved 
when I when uh when I realized I wanted to move back, like for real, I started looking for opportunities at Apple to move back because Apple was really good money, um, and it would be able to sustain me on my own if I moved out of my parents' house. And so I looked for opportunities in Apple in BC, and I got the job in Surrey. And I didn't want to live in Surrey. Surrey was my least favorite city in BC. Just because of the jokes and stuff like that. If you know about Surrey, you know. For those of you in Ontario, it's like Brampton, but in BC. But I didn't want to live in Surrey. But I got a job in Surrey. And so I moved out here. I came to Surrey. I linked up with this girl. We got together. And yeah, that was, for me, that was, I was good. I was set. My life was now, was now fine. Like, I had the job. I had the girl. Um, I had the, I had you know, my faith in what I was good. I was really, really good. And so that was about a year, uh, 2020 October is when I moved. And then probably October, 2021 is when things started to shift again for me. Again, I was watching transformation church stuff whenever I could. My girl was always always at my house and she'd watch it with me because she loved Jesus too. And we were cool and it was cooling. And so October of 2021, I felt this pull again. And it was like, you need to find a church. You need to find a church. I look back on it now and it was the Holy Ghost talking to me. Um, but I felt this pull like, you need to find a church. You need to find a church. If you're going to have this relationship and if you're going to be a godly man, you need to be planted and rooted in a church. So you need to find a church. You need to go to church with your girl. You need to, like, these were the things I was feeling. And I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Like, how are we going to do this? And so I. I remember starting to think about uh, what church I wanted to go to. I was thinking about going to my brother's church. My brother and his wife were going to uh, a, like a church downtown, but that was a little bit far because I lived in Surrey. And then a good friend of mine, Annabelle, hit me up. Or not hit me up. And a good friend of mine, Annabelle, posted a story. And she was like, I'm calling out all you Calvary dropouts. Now, that hit my Holy Ghost in a way. It never hit my Holy Ghost before. She's like, I need you to come to Love Quest International Church. Now, she had been posting about this church all the time. And I was like, what is, what is this girl on? Like, what is this church, right? Like, and I ignored it because I was cool watching Mike Todd tell me about relationship goals. That's all I wanted to hear about. Like, tell me more about how to find my God-ordained spouse. Please tell me that. Um, but at this point, I was with somebody. I was happy with somebody. And... She said, come to Love Quest International Church. So I said, okay, you know what? I've been feeling this thing. I'm going to come to this church, and I'm going to go check out some other churches. And if I like this church, I'm going to stay. Uh, and so I walked into the doors of Love Quest for the first time, December 5th of 2021. Uh, me and this girl walked in there, and two songs in. It was the same feeling I got when I watched that other worship leader at my old church in Ontario. Two songs in. Um I knew for a fact that's where I wanted to be. No shadow of a doubt. I remember the second song they were singing, I looked at my girl at the time and I said, this is our church. And that was it. That was it. Uh, we started going to Love Quest at that point. And so December 2021 is when I first started going. Um, and then we were popping in and out because we were inconsistent. But uh, PT reached out to me at one point and said, yo, I see you stick out every time you come in. Uh, you're an artist, and sometimes, you know, artists carry this orphan spirit or this independent spirit. And so we want to get you rooted in sonship, and we want you to be here. Um, and yeah, and so 
that was kind of the start. And then throughout um, my year at Love Quest, God used Love Quest to transform my heart because they were singing in a way that connected with me. PT was preaching in a way that connected with me. It started to convict me of things that I was doing, the drinking, the partying, the, the, the sexual stuff, all that stuff. Like God really started to work on my heart. Um, and April 2022 is something really shifted. I remember I really felt like I needed prayer for something because life had kind of been up and down and whatnot. And yeah, at that point, yeah, it was it was a it was a hard time, and I went up for prayer. And PT said something to me. He said, "You know, you're a glory carrier, and you're a worshiper. You've always tried to fit in, but you're gonna stand out. So walk in the authority that God has given you." And that shifted something in me. I said, "Oh no, He sees me. Like He sees what's inside of me. That deep part of me that I've been trying to bury under the alcohol, under the partying, under the 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 women, under all, all that stuff." Anything else I was doing outside of what God has called me to do, he sees that, and that's scary. So that shifted something in me because um, I really felt like I needed to start living for Jesus a little bit. So, yeah, April was also the time I got a promotion at work. But that meant I moved locations. So I moved from the Surrey location to the downtown Vancouver location. It was more money. It was better money, which means I could get a better place. And so I started looking for an apartment. I actually told my landlord, like, hey, I got a new new job downtown, so I'm going to be getting a, a place somewhere downtown. And she was like, cool, you got until the end of April to get out of here. I said, that's fine with the money I'm making. I'll find something easily. I could not find a thing. Um, and so I ended up staying at my, my friend's house. Shout out to Bamo and Auntie Susan. Thank you all so much for opening up your home. I know we've known each other all our lives, but I will never get tired of saying thank you because you guys helped me down through that time period. So I went to uh, their house and I stayed there for, for some months and I was frustrated. Uh, me living at their place, man, I couldn't see my girl as much. So that put a strain on our relationship. My job, it was harder to get to work um, just because like I wasn't used to so long of a commute. So I was late all the time. So that put a strain at work. Um, and then in my personal life, I just felt like I was failing because I didn't have a crib because I put so much, uh, so much emphasis on me having my own place. Friends were coming over all the time and I couldn't host people. So I didn't feel like myself. And that really, really, really put a strain on me and put a strain on what my belief in myself was. And so I, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a really hard period. Um, and the only place where I really felt peace and I really felt like everything was going to be okay was at Love Quest. Um, that's where the spirit was moving. I started to feel more of a prompting to read my word, more prompting to pray. Um, and But I was really, really, really like, I was stuck because everything outside of that place felt like it was falling apart. And everything inside of that place felt like it was coming together. And so I was confused. It was a really, really hard time um, for me. And then September of 2022, I always say this is the month my life changed. So we went into a fast as a church, um, and I decided this would be the first time I take a fast seriously. So I was going to fast. Um, I was going to adhere to the fast as best as I could. And 
when I started fasting, I went into the fast with three questions. And those questions I'll share later on a different episode. I have a very special episode planned and I'm super excited for it. But I went into it and I prayed for a few things to be revealed to me and he revealed them all. Um, And one of them was about my relationship and I really felt like God was calling me into a time of isolation. Like he wanted me all to himself. And this relationship, and we've talked about this, me and this girl. So um, that relationship became an idol. That relationship was the thing that I was living for. That was the, that relationship, everything revolved around that relationship. So the minute that my affection for Jesus started growing and my affection for the church started growing, that put a strain on my relationship because an idol can't stand where Jesus is. And so where Jesus started taking his proper place, my idol started crashing down. So my idol of work, my idol of self-sufficiency, my idol of my relationship, they started to come down because Jesus was taking his rightful place in my heart. And it was a strain. It was a battle. It was a wrestle. Because one thing about your idols is they don't let go easily. They've had a spot of power in your life for so long. You think they're just going to go away easily? Nah. So it was a fight. It was a battle. But... By the end of the fast, I walked into the fast thinking one thing, and I left the fast completely different. So by the end of the fast, I had now broken up with this girl. Uh, I still didn't have a place to live, and the housing market was not helping. I had been rejected for so many places. I tried to link up with my friend Providence, and we were trying to find a place together. We'd been rejected for every single place, and I could not find anything. And so there was a day during the fast because the fast, the church doors were open every day of the fast for prayer. I went in there and I said, Lord, I'm tired. I'm done. I cannot do this. I have nothing left. And he said, good. Now let's get to work. And that was the end of September. So then through October, um, one of the things that I had prayed for was a new job because I was tired of working at Apple. It had been five years. The retail schedule was really hard. Working on Sundays was not a thing for me anymore. I was committed to the church. I started serving in the church on the production team. Uh, and I really wanted to go all in. I really, really, really wanted to go all in. Like, really wanted to go all in. And so I said, God, I want a job that will allow me to serve the way I want to serve and I want a house that'll allow me to serve the way I want to serve. So through the month of October, everything changed. Like I went from having a job I hated to a job I loved. And then I went from having a uh, no house to this apartment that you see today. This this apartment is a miracle. The guy hit me up, and I, or I hit the guy up to come see it, and this place was dirty. This place was so dirty. But I, there's something in me that was like, no, 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 this is the place. This is, this is where I'm going to live. This is where I'm supposed to live. And I put in my application. And one of the reasons why I couldn't get a house was because my credit was really bad. Like, I have really bad credit. I still have really bad credit. I still have credit card debt that I'm trying to pay off. But we go, in the name of Jesus, we're going to pay it off before the end of 2024. That's my belief. And so my credit was really jacked up from my time just partying and putting like bottles on on credit cards and stuff like that. Like I had some I had some like big purchases and stuff, but my credit was all jacked up. So part of the reason why I kept getting rejected for houses was because my credit, when people saw my credit, they're like, oh, he's not going to pay rent. So, yeah. So I, I, I applied for this house. The guy was like, hey, can I get your credit score? And I was like, I'm going to be very straight up with you. My credit is really, really bad. So. If that's going to be a factor in this, I'll give it to you, but I'm just letting you know in advance. It's really bad. And he's like, 
I just need it for formality. And I was like, okay. So I, as I was going to get my credit score, the guy hits me up and he goes, hey, how would you feel about signing the lease tomorrow? I said, I haven't signed my credit. He said, nope. The, 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 the owner says they like your application. You have a good job. Um, that's all they're looking for. And you're a single guy. So go for it. Sign the lease the next day. Miracle. That had been six months of me straining, straining to do, to get a place. That was exactly what I looked for. And here's the craziest part. I told God, I said, there's only a couple of non-negotiables for me. One, there has to be laundry in this place. Two, there has to be a gym in the facility. And my wants, I want a dishwasher in the spot because I don't like washing dishes. And I want to be near the train. And I have all of that. All of that. God gave me all my needs and my wants in one go. And my other prayer was I wanted a house that will allow me to serve the way I wanted to serve. So because I'm by myself, I don't have to you know, report to anybody when I'm leaving. But my, my house is also very, very close to my church. Very close. When I say very close, I mean walking distance. It is the biggest blessing to be able to get up at any time if somebody calls me and is like, yo, we're at the church. Can you help out? Boom, I'm there. So... God gave me all my wants and my needs because my heart was to actually serve him. And that was a testimony in and of itself of how my heart turned. And so that got established in uh, October through November. I started this new job. It was a work from home job, which meant that once I was done work, I could go. It was a nine to five shift. So that meant that I wasn't doing anything extra. It was so beautiful, this setup. It was so beautiful. And it was it was in through all that I realized like man like I can't do any of this by myself, and so I decided that I was gonna rededicate my life to Jesus and do it for real this time, and I and I did. So January first of twenty twenty three, I got rebaptized, and that was the moment to say the public declaration of everything that God had done in my life up until that point. And I felt freedom, I felt relief, and I felt like I was home. And I, I just have to thank God for that. I got to thank my pastors. I got to thank my community. There's so much more to the testimony that I, I'll tell you and you guys will see as I bring people on here. But January 1st, 2023, I rededicated my life to Christ. I got baptized um, at my home church and it just went up from there. And so anything you've seen from me from 2023 all the way up until whenever this podcast goes to is a product of God taking the foundation of faith that my parents had instilled in me, that my church had instilled in me, letting me run off and do whatever I needed to do and letting me come back. Um, and so, yeah, that that's the testimony of how I ended up back home and the rest of the testimony has just been because I found where I was supposed to be, I'm now finding out who I'm supposed to be. And there's a confidence in me that knows exactly who I am. And that's starting to shine through a little bit. And so that's a whole other side to the testimony uh, that I hope to share one day. But... The next question was... I want your real reflections on love and your relationship experience, not the vague secretive answers you usually give. Get real with people. Uh, if anybody ever asks me about my relationships, I will give you a perfect answer. 
on why they needed to end or whatever else. But here's the raw truth. The raw truth is um, my reflections on love is that I thought I knew how to love people because I was smart and because I have a heart for people and I will do every personality quiz possible and I will learn about your love languages and whatever else. I thought I knew how to love people. Um, but the actual, actual, actual what was happening was that I only loved people so that I could receive love back. I didn't know how to love people as the person that they are. I didn't know how to pour out love properly. So when I look at my first relationship, I was just happy somebody chose me. I was happy to be chosen. I was happy that somebody was attracted to me. I was happy that somebody wanted to be with me. I was ha- I and I wanted to cling on to that for as long as possible. So I did everything, everything I needed to do to keep that, including having sex. Um, up until the point I was with that girl, I was a virgin. Um, and then when I got with that girl, I told her like I'm saving myself for marriage because that's something that I really believed in. And I folded real quick, real quick. And, you know, we were sexually active through that whole relationship. And everything I, everything I did for that relationship was just to keep it because I had never experienced what it was like to feel chosen. Um, I had a deep root, and this is what the Lord has been revealing to me lately. I had a deep, deep, deep desire to be desired. I really just wanted somebody to want me. I really wanted that. And so being in a relationship with this first person I was with meant that I was chosen. But that also meant I had to do anything I can, including bending my morals a little bit to keep this person. And so I put myself in some compromising positions. I said things that I didn't believe. I, 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 I really lost myself in that relationship because I was so happy that somebody chose me. And yeah, so when I, when I think about that, that bled, that deep root of rejection and that deep root of desire to be desire bled into both of my relationships that I've been in. Um, with the with the previous person I was with, kind of the same thing. I, I was I was I would give up on things that I believed in because it was better to give up on those things than to lose the person I was with. And so when God called me out of that relationship, it was it was because He was calling me back to His own. And what God was trying to show me was that He actually desired me. And I and I stand by that every day. Is like. God desires me. And as I've been learning about how to walk with the spirit and how to walk in the spirit of adoption, it's the understanding that the father desires to abide with me. And so I learned a lot through both of those relationships. I learned the type of person that I am, my love languages. I learned my personality. I learned, and I, there's some good things I learned from that. There was good. It's that verse in the Bible that says what the enemy meant for evil, he's turning for good. I got to find the verse now so that I quote it properly. Um, Yeah, so Genesis uh, 50, verse 20. I'm going to read it from the AMPC version. Um, This is Joseph. Joseph speaking. As for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are this day. Like, everything that I learned in those relationships turned for good, but the relationships themselves were not the relationships I was supposed to be in. Not because they weren't great people, not because they're they're not worthy of love, but because we weren't meant to love each other in that way. Um, 
And that's something that I've learned to submit to God is learning who am I supposed to love the way you're, who am I supposed to love how you've called me to love them? Um, I hung on to those relationships for a long time and I wanted them to be, I wanted to marry these people because I wanted to be chosen. And I thought once I got a ring on my finger and I got a ring on their finger, that meant that I was chosen for life. I wanted that so bad. And I thought I had to do anything I could to hold on to it. And so leaving the relationship, part of what God showed me is that he wants that for me too. God wants that for me as well. But he wants it in a way that's so healthy and with him at the center. Um, the other thing about that is like I realized I use those relationships and I use God in those relationships. Those relationships weren't, um, weren't God-centered at all. They had God in them. I used God as an accessory for them, but they weren't God-centered. And so uh, there's so much more I could say about my love walk and all that. But again, I'm saving that for a special episode that I got um, because I think that'll open up some stuff for a lot of people. But that's really my 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 biggest takeaway is that um, I can't you can't go into a relationship wanting to be desired if you don't know that you're already desired by the person who created you. Like God created you and he wants a relationship with you first and foremost. Every other relationship should bleed out of the love that God has for you. You don't know love until you know love because God is love. And perfect love casts out fear. So if your love comes with fear, then it can't be love, right? So my real reflection to my real reflection and my big learning and i believe this with anybody in my relationships in my friendships with my family with people i don't like is that god will show me how to love them because he loved them first and so if i go to the source of love and the person who created them i can know how to love them properly in the context i was created to to love them And the last question is, what draws you to music? Your elite penmanship or your love for rapping itself? So, uh, my auntie, Auntie Abel, brought me to a concert when I was probably like 10 or 11. And it was The Truth and Ambassador. It was the first time I heard hip-hop music, and it just connected in my soul. Uh, at 12 years old, I wrote my first rap because I wanted to be just like them. And I have been doing music since. Um, there's something about music that I, I, I just connect with. Music just plays such a big part in my anointing. It just does. I cannot help but get excited about good music. Um, so I started doing music for real in 2016. That's something good that came out of that year. I linked up with some people and we started doing music and I started refining my skills. I dropped my first album in 2017. I worked all the way through it. Uh, when I when I was first here and then when I moved. Um, so that was good as well. And I, yeah, it was, I just love music. But what draws me to music um, is, is my elite payment or the love for rapping. It's a little bit of both. I love being able to uh, express myself in any modes of communication. I'm a talker. You could see from this pod, I talk, I talk a lot. And I talk heavy, but I'm a communicator and I love being able to communicate. Um, 
stories, feelings, what the spirit is telling me. I love being able to communicate those things. And songwriting gives me access to be able to express things inside of me that I don't get to express any other way. So emotions come out better in music than they do in talking. I can I can chat about my emotions all I want, but being being able to express emotions, writing worship music, like writing raps and stuff like that, I can express myself in a way in songwriting that I can't do in any other medium. So I think the songwriting part is a big part of it. I think when one day when I stop doing music, I, I will still be a songwriter. I love writing songs for other people. I've been tapping into that a lot. And one of the things, and I practice doing that, I would imagine a scenario when I'd write a song from that perspective. Um, and so now I'm excited to start to work with some of the other other artists in my community, some of the other Love Quest artists, and write songs for them, produce songs for them that express some of the emotions that they're feeling that maybe I might be able to write from a perspective in my life experience that connects with them as well. Um, but I just, a gen, I have a genuine love for music. Uh, so that's part of the reason why I ended up at Love Quest was because the worship team works so hard, not just at worshiping God and becoming worshipers, but at the skill and the craft. They became skillful in what they do. Uh, we're a Davidic house. And so I got to pull up a scripture, but I'm going to keep talking. We're a Davidic house of worship. And so music is a big part of what we do. And that has to be done with excellence. Um, and so part of what draws me to music is the fact that I have an opportunity to express my love um, for Jesus, my emotions, my life experiences in a way that's excellent and connects with people. Because music, somebody said this, and it's the it's it's sat with me. Music is the one of the few spirits that you don't need permission to enter your soul. Right. As soon as you put the AirPods in your ear and you press play, you're giving permission to whatever that person is saying or feeling to enter you. And so I want to be able to use my music and the music I write for people and produce to 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 give the Holy Ghost permission to move through my music. But on that topic um, of excellence, so this is 1 Samuel 15 versus, no, 1 Samuel 16. I apologize. I apologize. I need to start having these verses ready off top, but um, you'll see it when I have guests on the pod, when they're talking and a verse hits me, I'll be able to pull it up and say it right away. But when it's just me and it sparks something, then I, I got I to gotta go find it. So um, let our, this is when Saul had an evil spirit uh, on him and he wanted to be delivered from it. And so he said, let our Lord now command your servants here before you to find a man who plays skillfully on the lyre. And when an evil spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. And so he ended up going to find David. So us being a Davidic house of worship means that we have to play skillfully and we have to be able to play in a way that brings honor to Jesus. And so I, I don't even know how we got here, but that's my heart when it comes to music is like, I just want to do it at the best possible level. I have skills. I have ability. I can rap. I can sing. I can songwrite. I can produce. I can do a little bit of mixing. And I have all those skills because I will continue to build on those skills because if I'm going to do my worship to God, it's going to be done excellently. So the draw to music is just because God put something in me that needs to get out. What continues to push me is that the fact that as a songwriter, I can express uh, the things that are inside of me. 
and what will continue to push me is the fact that music is another medium to win souls. And so that is, that is that. Yeah. I love this. I love, this is so much fun. This is so much fun. And then the last question, somebody put it in my NGL. Um, what's one part of your testimony that you are not ashamed of anymore? Uh, I'm not ashamed about, I, I would say I, I, I don't have shame about the drinking and the, and the partying part anymore. Um, and the sexual stuff as well. Um, I, I have a TikTok about this, but I struggled with a, with a porn addiction from the time I was like 12 years old. And that has always been uh, a thorn in my side, but I don't have shame about it anymore. Um, this month, actually, this month marks a year since I have watched or consumed porn or masturbated. Um, and I, I don't have any shame about it anymore because I realize that so many people struggle with it. There's preachers that struggle with it, worship leaders that struggle with it, everyday people who struggle with it, CEOs who struggle with it, the kid in high school who struggles with it. Um, but I don't have shame about it anymore because one, God brought me to freedom um, and there's no condemnation for those who are called in him. Um, but two, I don't have shame about it because shame prevents testimony and testimony is what helps bring freedom. Like, So I will talk about it out here and I'll talk about it more in depth um, and we'll, we'll, we'll have those conversations. But that's the part of my testimony I don't have shame about it anymore. So yeah. Anything else, Holy Spirit? That's it. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for another successful pod. Uh, I pray that whoever hears this, who hears my testimony, Lord, it will impact them in a way that they needed to hear. And I'm so grateful, again, that you chose me as your vessel for this. I'm losing my voice, so I'm going to stop talking. There's no cool outro. Bye, y'all.